Welcome to Bring Your Own, a catch-all bookish most of the time podcast. I'm Brandy. I'm Kendra. And I'm Kayla. And today we are so excited because we have with us today Maisie Eddings. Yay! Yay! Um, Maisie is a neurodiverse author, dentist, and most importantly, a stage mom to her cats, Yaya and Zadie. Um, she can most often be found reading romance novels under her weighted blanket and asking her fiance to bring her snacks relatable um and she's made it her personal mission in life to destigmatize mental health issues and write love stories for every brain with roots in ohio and philadelphia she now calls north carolina her home welcome Maisie. yay we're so yay. excited Hello. thank you so much for having me i'm so so excited to chat with y'all and yeah i just i'm, I'm really glad to be here <laughs> oh my gosh we're so excited we gush about your books all the time so um yes we've got so many questions for you but before we dive in ladies what are we reading what are we drinking um i'll go first okay. i am drinking water in my hydrated queen very sturdy bottle um and currently i am re-listening for the first time but technically it's a reread the magnolia parks audiobooks the first two in the series just came out um it is it has been a journey brandy and i have been fighting uh all all <laughs> it's day not good for our friendship um, <laughs> Very different opinions on certain things in that book. So I'm listening to that. And then I'm currently reading Miranda Silver, who wrote Priceless, which is mm. one of my favorite mm -hmm. like spice reads ever. She just came out with a new book called Man of the Hour. Ooh. I'm only like 30% in and it is so hot. <laughs> it's so hot. And I think she does such a good job of like having her characters set up very clear boundaries with each other before they start to do anything like super kinky. So mm -hmm. they have like this big conversation about like, they, they're they pretty much exploring consensual non-consent like right off the bat. And I was like, whoa, this is, it's good. Um, I'm going to take my sweet little time with it. Um, but it's mm -hmm. it's been very fun. So that's what I'm currently reading. Amazing. Kayla Ann? Uh, I am currently drinking some white wine right now and I do have my my of course my trusty book bonanza water bottle um yeah there you go Randy um I'm also re-listening or yeah like Kendra said listening for the first time but rereading for the third time Magnolia Parks the audiobook it's very good so it's just crazy to hear these characters that I've loved for what feels like forever finally in my ears so it's amazing and then uh you guys know I've been on a fantasy kick for the past few months. And now I'm reading the Once Upon a Broken Heart series by Stephanie Garber. Very interesting. It's like the fairy tale. It's literally like a Disney fairy tale. Like there's literally like um, a character named His Handsomeness. Whereas, you know, <laughs> the Prince of Hearts. Like it's just so, I don't really know how else to describe it except like a Disney fairy tale. Like cheeky. Yeah, exactly. It totally leans into that like aspect of the story so it's very fun I'm almost done with the first book so that's what I'm reading I love that I am just drinking water right now I am a teacher and I start school next week so I've been preparing my classroom all day hydrating rehydrating um so no fun drinks but I am currently listening to Lord of the Fading Lands um by C.L. Wilson who wrote one of my favorite reads of the year The Winter King um it's also a fantasy series and i see jessa who's at mimo reads recommend her books all the time so i'm listening to that and i'm still reading do your worst by rosie dannon which comes out later this year which is about a curse breaker and an archaeologist and it's 
like enemies to lovers, spicy, fun. Um, so it's I'm so just, good. It's so good. <laughs> I'm just getting to the point right now where they're becoming like they're like done being enemies. Um, so I'm having a great time, but I haven't had a ton of eyeball reading time. So that's been taking me a little bit longer. But what about you, Maisie? Um, I right now am drinking tonic water. Um, because I am truly just a slut for anything fizzy. <laughs> um, and so yeah, I'll, I just down it like it's probably an addiction at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and then. As far as reading goes, oh my God, I've been devouring, um, her name is Alexandra Vosti. It's Vasti or Vosti, but she has this, these three novellas out right now and they're historical romance. Um, and I think the first one is called, oh my God, I get them all confused. Margot Halifax earns her shocking reputation. Um, the second one is in which Matilda Halifax earns the value of restraint. And then the last one is in which, um, Oh God, I'm the worst with titles. Those are mouthfuls. I know Winnie Winnie Halifax does something. They bang a lot like that. I mean, <laughs> they do be banging, and they're so good. Like I cannot stop. Like I just keep rereading them too because they're so delicious. Um, and they're all free right now through her newsletter. Oh, just, like, fun! Yeah, so her debut historical romance comes out. Um, next year and that's called Near Duke Well and that's another one that I read recently that I was obsessed with but other than that I've been like just kind of rereading I feel like I should read Magnolia Parks after you guys just prepare yourself it's very it's, messy okay did you okay. ever watch Gossip Girl oh yeah of course <laughs> so like imagine Gossip Girl in London on steroids and that's mm. Magnolia Parks without the Gossip yeah. Girl character involved yeah but like rich socialites doing rich socialite things, so sensational. No, no, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's it's like yeah, we read it a, like this time last year, and it still has okay. all of us in a chokehold. So highly recommend. I love those covers too, and like the the one isn't there one with Daisy Yates or something where it's like a a sculpture and then it's all tattooed up and everything. Yeah. I love mm-hmm. that cover. I see that all the time. I'm like, that's that's solid. That's like a good joke. That's a good cover. Yeah, it is. Are you an author actually that like reads romance? Because I feel like I come across so many that are like, no, I can't even like read the genre anymore because I'm writing it. But are you someone that like actively is like reading? Oh my God. Romance? Yeah, for sure. Like I devour romance. I My reading has like kind of taken a little bit of a hit lately because I've been on deadline for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, But I... I rarely read anything besides romance. Like I, I tend when I'm drafting to read different subgenres. So it's harder to read like contemporary sure. when I'm drafting. Um, just because one, I like will read these books and then I'll be like, all of my friends are so brilliant and good at this. And like, you know, I, I, I don't like throw my laptop out the window. And then two, um, I think, there's like this tendency almost to like if you're so invested in a book that you almost want to like mimic the voice of it too while you're drafting. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I I really read a lot of like um probably historicals like my biggest one when I'm drafting um to get into, but I love a little romanticy. I love like paranormal. Like have you guys read Nalini Singh's um side changeling series? I have, have not, you- but I see people talk about it all the time. Like she has so many books by the way. It's oh. insane. It is 
unreal, like so prolific. Though that series got me through like the first couple months of the pandemic and lockdown and stuff Amazing. because they're just like the world building is just so incredible and like so clever and stuff like that. But yeah, so to answer your question, yes, I I almost refuse to read anything but romance. Nice. If if I read any lit fic, like it's like or anything that doesn't have romance, I'll, it's like an event. I'll read like maybe two or three lit fic books a year. And it's like, oh, I did that. You're like the most Love. devastating reads. And then you'll force us to read them. And we're all crying. It's a whole thing. Oh, I I read the Wikipedia page um, for, what is that one book? A Little Life. Oh my God, I did oh too. God. Never I made Kayla explain, I read I made the, I read explain the whole thing. thing to me. I was oh like, I'm never God. reading that. No, I literally, I read the Wikipedia page. I was sick to my stomach, sobbing, crying, like snot pouring out of my nose, devastated. And I was like, this, I mean, this is like Wikipedia dry as hell Mm -hmm. summary of this book. And I was like, there's no way. I mean, kudos because it's like to anybody that can read it, because I'm sure it's just devastating and beautiful and wonderful and no shade whatsoever. But I get so upset if anybody's upset at any time. <laughs> yeah. That whole book is like pure pain. And like yeah. she doesn't let up. And I finished it. I have my best friend's house at the time. I walked into her room and I just like couldn't speak. I was yeah. like just like in a trance. Like it was not good. I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, like I, <laughs> I keep watching videos on um, book talk of people like reading it in public and just being absolutely destroyed and stuff. And I was like, I feel like I'm like, you know, like one of them, like, oh yeah, I get it. I survived. Yeah. <laughs> I, did like, it. <laughs> I read the Wikipedia page. I get it. <laughs> oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. I read the Wikipedia page. I know. It hurts so bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Never reading that ever in my life. Yeah. Um, <sighs> it's a lot. But okay, um, so Maisie, mm-hmm. A Brush with Love was your debut novel and it followed two main characters who were in dental school and we did our research and you actually published that while you yourself were in dental school. Like we said it earlier, you are a dentist, which yeah. is like, I know a lot of authors have other like day jobs, but I think you are the first author I've encountered that is an actual dentist. And this <laughs> is the first book I read that had characters in dental school like it was just so unique and refreshing but how did you do that going to dental school full-time and like publishing your first novel what made you like want to decide to do this in the first place well I had a good old-fashioned uh quarter-life crisis I would say and like (laughs) you know just just like oh my god what am I doing with my life um no I Okay, so it's kind of like convoluted, but my entire life I've been just a huge reader and I've always put writers and authors and stuff on like this pedestal almost where in a, like I just didn't understand how people could like create stories, right? Like that was so like out of the norm to me and just wild. And, you know, but then as a kid, I was kind of always telling myself stories and I was writing a lot of short stories and I would, you know, attempt to write novels and things like that. Um, But I could never like finish anything or get anything to a completed form. Um, But anytime I had room for electives or stuff like that, I was taking creative writing courses or, you know, um, just reading courses or I can't, English, (laughs) there's the word. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but so I always kind of pursued science too. Um, 
because there's a lot of creativity in science and just, you know, kind of this expansiveness to it. And so I ended up going to dental school and I I was so stressed that first semester of dental school, like never more unwell. Like I was just down bad. I wasn't sleeping. I was just like, I was so stressed and so anxious and things like that. Um, that, yeah, I just, I was really like, my big escape was reading romance novels. And like, like I said, I couldn't sleep. So I was reading like a book a night, you know, and all this stuff. And then something kind of sparked just one day where I was like, I need an outlet. And, you know, so I try, I picked up writing again. Cause I was like, I always loved that. It always, you know, was like this really great space. And I think when you're working in healthcare and medicine and you're seeing patients, you're actually really limited on how much you can do to, to, to help people or get them like exactly what they need. Like you're, you're out of control of a lot of aspects of it. Mm -hmm. And so going into, you know, a novel and these characters, it felt really safe, like knowing that like, in essence, like I, I was controlling the story, but I also was kind of just like, I, I don't know, in, in the same vein, it was like handing over the the wheel of my brain to these characters and letting them guide it and figure things out um, and letting them process like this in this environment and these feelings that I was also having in a way that was unique to them, but allowed me to almost feel connected to somebody. So yeah, I just, I kept writing and it was the first thing that I ever, writing A Brush With Love was the first thing I ever did just like fully for the joy of doing it, for like the sake of it being fun. Like there was no intention of it being, you know, become having writing be a side hustle or like, you know, or like anything like that. I was just doing it just purely out of love for doing it. Um, And I think as people were really, really programmed to, to kind of monetize any of our hobbies. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my God. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, for a long time, I, I didn't do that. But then I just I fell so in love with Harper and Dan that I, I was like, I, you know, I, I want to see how far I can take this, this thing that I love. And so, um, yeah, I was like, I have nothing to lose by trying. And so I queried with agents and then, you know, got very lucky to get yeses. And then, um, you know, here, here we are. <laughs> That's amazing. I hear so many authors speak about that. Like, it's almost like the characters are the one writing the story and they're just Mm -hmm. the ones typing. And I think that's so amazing. Like, I can't even imagine what that must feel like. It must be so fun or stressful. It's No, it's so nice. You get out of your own head and you just like let that, like, you're just a scribe for like what other people are doing. And it's very freeing to let, to let people be messy. And I think that there's a really pure form of that before, you're published or writing under contract where you really do just let the characters take control. And then something shifts in your process when you realize that, you know, you will have readership and things like that, where you almost have like your worst faith reader reading over. Yeah. Your and so it's very like, you have to overcome that afterwards, like book after book, there's a new challenge, but it feels so nice to get out of your own head and let let the characters figure their shit out for themselves. I was going to say, like, you saying, like, you weren't sleeping in dental school and, like, had a lot of anxiety. Like, that's literally Harper in A Brush <laughs> With Love. So I could feel like that could be very cathartic to, like, put all your own feelings that you were experiencing out onto the page. It was. Yeah. It, and, you know, I, I get that comparison a lot, too. And it, it's just funny because she felt like such a separate entity to me. And so 
like all of the, you know, that, that entire friend group became like my friend group, right? While I was working yeah. on it. And, and so I guess in essence, like I, you know, Harper came from this like subconscious place where I just needed to connect, connect with somebody about like my feelings and then know that she was like, oh, I so get it, you know, and, and just mm-hmm. kind of, I guess, <laughs> I guess to feel seen, I don't know. Yeah. Is it weird to write books to feel, write your own books to feel seen? No, I think that's like the best the reason. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but um, so yeah, it was super cathartic, and and every book has been cathartic in in its own way, um, and I just feel really really lucky to to be able to do this and keep doing it. Yeah, and we're so lucky to be able to read it. <laughs> Actually, this conversation like leads me into my next question, which is like you said that the characters kind of take control, mm-hmm. but before you go into a book, um, I know a brush with love. A Brush with Love was a little different because it was your first book and you were writing it just for you. But with like Lizzie and the plus one, did you sit down and you were like, okay, I'm going to write surprise pregnancy. I'm going to write fake dating. Or was that like, oh, this is Lizzie's story. I already know it before I started writing. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of times I'll set thoughts or intentions of what I think a book will be, but it it's always guided by, I have to like, I I get into a lot of like plot trouble if I don't, if I start writing something and I don't like very fully and deeply know my characters, right? And like feel like I'm having conversations with them before I actually get to the page and start like writing their story. Mm -hmm. And I've learned that the hard way through (laughs) a lot of a a graveyard worth of dead drafts in my Google Drive. But um, yeah, I would say I don't. I don't necessarily pick tropes before I start writing a story. Like Lizzie, it in the very beginning, Lizzie was also a dentist. Um, and wow. oh my gosh, I, I, that's crazy! That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Lizzie, Indira, they were all they were all dentists. And um, when <laughs> when my editor ended up picking up my book, I I had to do a revise and resubmit um, because the brush with love almost died on submission with editors too. Like I got a bunch of no's. Even my current editor had originally passed on it, and she came back and she said, "I can't stop thinking about like the voice in this. Would you be willing to do a revise and resubmit?" So I completely rewrote like the last third, changed a bunch of stuff. But one of the things was. Um, you know, there's too many dentists, like, can we get <laughs> up in here? And I was like, fine. And so, yeah, I mean, Lizzie, so, but I had already started drafting Lizzie's book by that point. And like, I think her original story was, um, like a, a marriage of convenience and oh my God. yeah. Yeah. And it was like, and her, her and Indira were like mad fighting. Like it was like so messy. So different, no, you know? <laughs> I know, I know. I hated it too. It didn't get very far. And then, you know, I had to rework it with this baking aspect because I, I had made her a baker in a brush with love and she just was like, it, it was like she blossomed, like she became her most authentic self. And then she was like, well, sorry to break it to you. Um, I'm pregnant. And I was like, no. I'm not- <laughs> oh, my gosh. And I was like, I- how am I supposed to write this? Like, nobody likes this trope. <laughs> and We love it. Oh, so good. You know, I've yeah. come to love it so much, actually. I just had, like, this preconceived notion. And so then, yeah, I was just exploring. And then with the plus one, that book was – originally um epistolary there was no fake dating like I had to rewrite that book 
in like six weeks. And oh. yeah, and it was like, it was bad. I was like, I turned it in and I was like, I know that this is wrong. I can't figure out what to do with it though. And then, um, you know, eventually like I just sat down and I tried to get to know Jude and Indira more and stuff. And um, their, yeah, their story kind of unraveled for me too. So the best thing I can do is set no intentions <laughs> for my books. Yeah. <laughs> figure it out. <laughs> That's great. I tell everyone whenever they read the plus one that it is probably the most realistic take on fake dating that I have ever read. Because mm-hmm. fake dating is usually like silly, goofy, like, oh, like here are all the antics and like they're lying to a whole bunch of people. But they like literally told everyone in their entire lives, like, this is what we're doing. Here's why we're doing it. It's literally just to piss off one person. I thought it was just so refreshing. Like, and it's my favorite trope. And I was like, this is just so freaking good. And the fact that like, you didn't even set out to do that. I'm like, wow, that's great. Even the brother's best friend aspect. Sometimes a lot of the issue that people have with that trope is that like, why, why should the brother be the one to be like, you can't date us. Yeah. You know, Um, but he was totally cool. He was like, all right. You know, I love that he, he was like, don't hurt each other. Like, I was yeah. like, that's how it should be. If there's a brother that's concerned, it should mm-hmm. be don't hurt each other. Not, I'm going to protect my little sister. Yeah, don't don't touch my sister. Yeah, there's one line where he says something like, what? And, and like, and you're like, it got a little patriarchal there at the end. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. He's like, she's such a little shit. I love her so much. But um, yeah, I think like the other fun thing to do is once I do figure out what the, the tropes are going to be, it's kind of fun to invert them or toy with them in, in different ways too, because I was like, yeah, I mean, that's, I, I just felt like that was so endear, right? Like she's going to be as petty as possible to like mm-hmm. get back to one person and she's going to rope in as many people as she can yeah. on her way to ultimate pettiness. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I love them so much. <laughs> All right. So we kind of talked about this a little bit with Harper. She's an oral surgeon. Lizzie is an erotic baker and Indira is a child psychologist. So how do you go about deciding their professions? Like I said, we already kind of talked about Harper, but is there also a profession that you are personally dying to write about? Yeah, I, so I think when I got the, like the directive, no more dentists, I was like, okay, (laughs) let's, let's see what these people do. Um, Like, let's really figure it out. And so um, you know, and I, it was almost like I had like the source material in a sense, like I knew who each one was in the friend group. Um, but it was just then figuring out like what kind of career would be really well suited for them. Um, and Indira, you know, from that point forward, it just like made sense to me that she would be it's in some sort of like field in psychiatry or psychology because she's just very she's kind of tough love. She's very like um, empathetic, very just in tune and like emotionally intelligent. And then, but I also knew that she had like this level of like almost immaturity to her where she was going to have to grapple with these like two wolves inside her. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And then then Lizzie, um, I don't know. I, I don't know where baking came from for her. I guess I just thought of her as like a very creative person. And then um, as I was toying with like what direction her book would would go, um, 
I was like, okay, what kind of jobs are out there where it's like, it could be ADHD friendly, but it could also be like super not ADHD friendly for her. And like, she might bounce around a lot and just kind of, yeah, I can't, I don't know exactly where that came from with her. And then, um, you know, now at this point, the careers just kind of end up being special interests of mine. Like, um, my my book coming out in uh 2024 late bloomer has a flower farmer and so like I'm obsessed with flowers and I was like you know what if I'm gonna have to do research I might as well do it on like something you're gonna enjoy exactly Yeah. yeah but I would love to tackle um like somebody in publishing as a career, but I'm also scared of it because it's like mm. so many readers are also in publishing and like, yeah. they, you know, you don't have as much wiggle room to like fabricate or like bend. Sure. Or, <laughs> yeah. You could tell me anything about a flower farmer. I'd be like, totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The book I'm like, actually, that's not how that works. And then you'd be in trouble. By the way, while we're talking about it, the cover for Late Bloomer, stunning. So pretty. Oh my God. Yes. So beautiful. I know. When I it, like died. <laughs> when it came out, we had just done an episode about like book icks or something. And mine was like, I hate when they put flowers on covers. Like I'm so sick of it. Unless like the girl is like a botanist or something. Like I don't want it. And then you dropped Late Bloomer and said that she like worked on a flower farm. I was like, this is exactly what I'm talking about. This is perfect. Mm-hmm. Like this passes the check because now flowers are like everywhere yeah. but they oh, get, like, yeah. a stunning image of like two women just like embracing each other and they look so hot and I'm I, like oh I can't wait I know I know I sent over and so I literally put in my email because they they let me like just send the most unprofessional emails in the world <laughs> about my cover ideas like they are so like so embarrassing every time I do it I'm like was that a fever dream like I can't believe like, <laughs> like I might as well like send a floppy disk worth of like stuff they're that disorganized <laughs> Um, but yeah, I had, I had one thing that I did coherently say in there was like, I just think it would be so cool on a traditionally published book to see two women like really, really embracing and very like Mm -hmm. romantic and cinematic and things like that. And then for inspo, I was like one Opal who's blonde is just Nicola Coughlin from Mm -hmm. Dairy Girls and, um, Bridgerton and like all that. Cause I'm just fully obsessed. I was like, I want her to look like this. This is what she looks like. And then, um, for Pepper, who's the brunette, um, I was like, imagine like Kristen Stewart and Audrey Plaza have like a really sexy love child. <laughs> Pepper. <laughs> oh my, oh my gosh. god! So yeah. excited! And they nailed it. <laughs> it looks stunning. Like truly, like amazing. We are all like we just said, so excited. But like all your books so far in the Brush with Love series, and I haven't read Tilly, but Brandy has, they all tackle like mental health in some capacity. Mm-hmm. Like we see characters with ADHD, um, characters with anxiety and panic attacks, PTSD. Why is it important to you to like showcase characters going through these things and like dealing with them? Well, um, I'm mentally ill. <laughs> it's the mental illness, babe. Um, yep. No, I, I guess I just... I think about it like um, with the brush with love. I was trying so hard for Harper not to have an anxiety disorder. Like I was, I was really, really giving it my all. And then I probably got fifty pages, and I was like, "Damn, girl, I am so sorry, but like, you <laughs> definitely have G- gas. Like you're, you're fucked." But like, <laughs> and, and from then on out, I was just like, "Well, you know." my brain and the way that it works and kind of navigates this 
this big wild world um turns out isn't like how everybody else does it but nobody does it the same and so might as well just kind of honor you know the intricacies of that and the nuance and stuff and I I also was just kind of tired of seeing like media that portrays mental illness as this like disgusting thing or this thing that we don't talk about or you know just this like trauma porn aspect of it like you know I I battle with anxiety. I battle with depression. I'm autistic. I have ADHD, but like, I still have like a really, really full and wonderful life. Like those are just components that affect my days, but they don't like hinder my ability to have a really happy and lovely life. Um, And so I wanted to look at that in the framework of, of happily ever afters and like, you know, finding somebody that loves you full-throated on your best days and your worst too and so um yeah I've just I've been very lucky too to have an, an editor and people supporting that kind of aspect of it and everything and and also I just not being neurotypical it's hard for me to understand how neurotypical people work and mm-hmm. so it's almost a lot harder for me to write from that perspective yeah so, yeah, yeah. you're like what's it like to be normal yeah or what is perceived as normal. yeah I'm like what's it like to just not lie awake panicking about the end of the world what what could it be like <laughs> and like um as the brush with love series are all in third person um mm-hmm. but you obviously get both of their perspectives like watching both of them and as somebody who I have major depressive disorder and my partner also has major depressive disorder mm-hmm. and like watching somebody navigate their partner's mental health and like how to be a good partner in that is also like such a beautiful thing to watch like watching Rake learn about Lizzie mm-hmm. and like what she needs and like Indira about Jude like it's just it's really beautiful so how like not only them but like how do you plan how your characters are going to g- grow throughout their books and in relation to their mental illness um, or mental health rather. Uh, mm-hmm. Like how, how does the journey play out? Is it just part of the plot? Like, yeah, I think it, I think part of it is it's always going to be a facet and it's going, always going to like um, create a unique lens for what they're going through and what their external conflict is and things like that. But I always try, I always try to like, you know, picture, <laughs> I, I initially picture my characters as like two blobs, right? And so they're supposed to like grow into fully formed humans. And then I always imagine that they have to end up holding hands at the end, right? Like, so they're not like merging into one person, but they're like discovering themselves and like really refining themselves. And then through that process, they're reaching out and grabbing this other person that went through this refinement journey too. So it's like, it's always very much like a choice, like they're choosing each other and they'll choose each other time and time again, because like, that's what makes a really strong foundation in a relationship, I think is just like, you're you're actively choosing every day to like love and cherish this person that you're spending your time with and your life with. And so the characters are very much like that too. And I think, you know, their stories often are, you know, not only are they love stories, you know, between the couples, but also learning to love themselves because mm-hmm. that's, that's one of the hardest things we have to go through, right? Like yes, it's almost easy to, to love somebody else and just like adore them and cherish them and think they're amazing. But to, to reflect that back on yourself is like incredibly difficult. And so, you know, watching them find that place, that stable ground where they're kind of accepting of, 
of their lot in life and their brain and how this is this is how it's going to impact the way they move through the world, but it doesn't have to define the way that they move through the world. Yeah. And so, you know, and, and that looks different for every character. And, it, you know, it's not always like at the very beginning of drafting, like an intentional choice, like they're going to go through X, Y, and Z for their arc. But um, I just kind of let them find it organically. Yeah. I'll, I'll say from, you know, me personally, I... I suffer with anxiety, but I don't suffer from like PTSD. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't have ADHD, things like that. Right. So, and I've said this before on the podcast, but when we've talked about your books, but praised your books, um, (laughs) I've said, you know, even though I don't personally like have that, like I don't Mm -hmm. personally have that struggle watching or reading about like Jude you know specifically Mm -hmm. and like somebody like Lizzie right the way that you wrote them and their journeys it's not that I necessarily like never I don't I I think it just helped me uh empathize and understand Mm -hmm. a little bit more you know so just like as somebody even though I don't struggle with it it's still anytime I interact with somebody else that might have that it just helps me gives me a lot more perspective on that I think and so I really like appreciated that and I know sometimes authors like it's not my job to teach people about this you know it's never my job to educate people necessarily but like uh, I just really appreciate that kind of aspect of when you're writing your characters that way and so uh, just thank you for that. No thank you because I that that really truly means the world to me because I I think um I always set out to I I (laughs) I'm not very good with talking like I I really struggle to like verbalize my thoughts in a way that makes any sense and especially with my feelings like over you know throughout my life like it's it's very it's been very frustrating to try to like articulate like I know that technically everything's okay but my body feels like the world's ending and things like that but I feel very lucky that like through writing I'm able to articulate those feelings and those sensations more and so you know, a goal with every book is when I am kind of portraying or representing some some facet of, you know, PTSD, ADHD, anxiety, things like that. I want to I want to put it in a way that somebody that, that hasn't experienced it can understand. And so I look very much at like the physiology of it and like what your body actually is feeling like in, in a very visceral way. And so, you know, you can be like, oh, okay. So like, I, I can understand that feeling and then that somebody's going through that. And then on the flip side of that, I'm always trying to, to honor the, the lived experiences of people. So if they also struggle to like verbalize their feelings, they can point to something and be like, this is how I feel like this is how you know, X, Y, and Z makes me feel, or this is what it's like on a day to day. And just kind of like bridge that gap between, I don't know, just people understanding each other better. So I thank you for saying that. <laughs> yeah, no, I think you do such a good job too. Cause I remember when I was reading Lizzie, I posted on my close friends. I was like, it's Uh-oh. towards the end when she's like beefing with her. No, 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 it's good. It's, it's towards the end when she was beefing with her mom. And I was like, my mommy issues are on 10 uh-huh. right now. Like, this is crazy. Like, it was so, and like, I realized that in all your books, there's some parental like struggle mm-hmm. between the characters, but that one, because like I read yeah. about daddy issues all the time. I love my dad. I'm like, oh, whatever. Yeah. But mommy issues, I'm like, <laughs> being a little too loud right now and Lizzie and I like we saw each other so much I was like oh my god like it's like you were in my brain sometimes like that's <laughs> insane well I wanted to show people just like choosing to cut out a toxic relationship like normalize mm-hmm. cutting out toxic people from yeah. your life instead yeah. of like fixing things and everything I'm like some mm-hmm. relationships 
there's just no fixing. And Lizzie oh and her God. mom were one of them. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, Lizzie. Switching topics a little bit. Mm-hmm. The entire A Brush with Love series is very sex positive mm-hmm. on top of having like a lot of smut throughout. Mm-hmm. So, is sex positivity something you think can be approved upon in the adult romance genre? And like, what are you hoping that your readers gain? from the conversations around sex and sexuality in your books? Yeah, I love this question. And I think um, I, (laughs) I, well, first of all, like just from coming from the genre and like reading it, you know, I love open door, like, you know, like I love when my characters are slutty. Like I love Mm -hmm. it. I I love slutty characters doing slutty things. Like I mean mean that in not a pejorative way, but um, (laughs) (laughs) But I, you know, originally writing A Brush With Love, I was like, I I really like clammed up in the initial draft. And I was like, oh, am I writing a closed door (laughs) romance here? And my one friend was like, absolutely not. Like, you've, like, you know what you need to do here. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I we love you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so kind of after getting that first one out of the way, like busting down that door, I realized how how empowering and how important it is in my books and like the character's journey on like how their physical intimacy can be either a reflection or counter the emotional arc that they're having, um, you know, depending on where they're at. Like, like with Lizzie, for example, like Obviously, she sits on his face 25 pages in and, like, you know, she doesn't really. We were shook. We were like, did she just say cock in a traditionally published book? Like, not even. Yeah, yeah, I know. They really like it. Wasn't, it wasn't cock that got us. I got oh, it was cunt. Oh, it's cunt. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah I, I was like, yes, yes, yes. I, I know. I know. <laughs> when my fiance was listening to that, he's like, you dropped a hard C in this one. <laughs> I mean, he's from, he's Australian. Like, they exactly. Come time. Time. That's, yeah. It was cultural. Mm. It was yeah. cultural. <laughs> yeah. Dude, on the other hand, he just has a filthy mouth. And like, oh, yes. But in Lizzie and Rake's story, like, initially their intimacy is very, very based on, like, the physical. And it's very, like, quick and dirty and, like, you know, like, let's get to it. We have a finish line. We have a goal in mind here. Right. And then there are, as they become emotionally closer, their love scenes become way more intimate and emotional and kind of less, you know, physically, uh, adventurous (laughs) in some ways. Um, but you know, so I, I, I guess, where I was going and I got totally lost just thinking about them. Sorry, my bad. But um, yes, I think it's so important, you know, and I think that closed door romance definitely has its place. And a lot of people are very comfortable reading that and that makes them feel safe and comfortable. And I totally respect that. And like, I get that. It's just not necessarily what, how my characters navigate things and it's also just not what I prefer reading and so if I'm gonna have to read this thing like a billion times editing it I'm like somebody needs to get off here like like, I need to do them a favor and I do think that we can have a lot more discussions too on just like you know I think right now there's a ton of sex positivity in romance but I think one thing that could be really cool is to see more of like 
the female playboy, you know, instead of just like, you know, we, we attribute a lot of things to, to male characters and like, you know, their actions or their grunts or their dirty talking or things like that. And I think that, you know, one thing that could really just kind of open the door even further is analyzing these gender roles that we've created in the language around sex and like how we can, you know, bust those down too. So, mm-hmm. you know, and then, just a side note, like <laughs> one of the one of the edit notes that I got for the plus one was um, how many sex scenes are there? Um, do you think do you think there might be too many? Should we cut one? And I just wrote back no with like a little heart. I yeah. was like, period. <laughs> I was like, those two went through way too much. Like we are not cutting. If anything, I'm gonna add another one. Yeah. yeah. I can't think of one scene from that one sex scene from that book that I would have cut. Uh uh-uh. uh. Yeah. You're yeah. like with peace and love. No. Yeah. No. no. And while we're on the topic of the plus one, I yeah. think sixty nine ing is wildly underutilized and books. Are correct. thank yes. you for writing sixty nine ing in that book. You, you are know correct. what? Like, emotional sixty nine ing too. Like the fact yeah. that he yeah. cries afterwards, I'm like, what a Pisces. <laughs> <laughs> what a Pisces. Bro. <laughs> Uh, I could not. I was so like, they're so <laughs> hot. Oh yeah, my fiance has coined that or calls Jude the Muffin Man because he's uh, just constantly like down there getting literally. <laughs> I love lunch. I know. <laughs> and there's nothing better than like a, a romance book here. To me, a romance book hero who loves eating pussy. Oh, Sorry. Is, oh, yeah. There is a special place in heaven for men that love eating pussy like yeah. like an angel gets its wings every <laughs> eating pussy. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh yes but it's so funny i love what you said earlier about like women having just a little bit more like i guess like agency when it comes mm-hmm. to sexuality in books because that's what i loved about lizzie because like yeah i've i've been a little little slutty myself mm-hmm. you know i've slept around a lot myself and like ha- seeing a character like that and own it and like mm-hmm. not feel any like shame around it it's just so refreshing to see because yeah it's usually always a guy who's like i've slept with a hundred yeah. different women and oh here comes this like and again mm-hmm. like it's it happens but then usually like the girl will be a virgin and like yeah. all this stuff i'm like no like i want to read about women who yeah. are just like sluts who like sex. who have gotten around yeah Love and that was lizzie and i was like again like her and i we are just like we are linked yeah. you wrote her for me oh I feel of like. course just for you and yeah i mean i kind of wanted to play on the fact that his name was rake and then she was like essentially the rake you know like yeah. that was just like a very tongue-in-cheek thing mm-hmm. i don't know with that because yeah i just like i wanted i felt like i wasn't at least i wasn't reading a lot of books or finding a lot of books where it was like the woman very in charge and like very you know strong sex drive and like very owning that where it's not like oh I have to go to like this secret sex club because nobody can know that I have Mm -hmm. a libido you know like Mm -hmm. and so yeah I had so much fun with Lizzie like she she's my my down and dirty girl and I just like I love her her for it So I was reading the Fallen Men series um, earlier this year by Gianna Darling, and it's very, I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but it's very dirty. Um, And Kendra one day was like, I bet you can't read these with a straight face because I was like, I no, I can read smut with like a straight face. Like I can be in public and I can be on my phone in the line at the grocery store and I'll be like, you know, reading with a straight face. I'll be fine. Now, well, I was going to say, like, at home, sometimes I'm giggling. But honestly, even when I'm sitting at home on my couch, I'm just like, mm-hmm, 
<laughs> you know, inside though, things are yeah. happening, but like yeah. on the outside, I'm fine. <laughs> so I do like pride myself personally on being able to read smut with a straight face. Now, I think most, I think most uh, seasoned romance readers can probably say the same. But when it comes to you writing like actual sex scenes, talk us like through your process for that. Like, do you yeah. find yourself giggling? Like, is it awkward? And how do you like decide what like the thing is yeah. for like that particular couple, like their kink or something like that? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I used to be giggly about it and like, I <laughs> I still have a hard time reading copy edits on my sex scenes because like, it will be like, you know, um, <laughs> is this physically possible for me? <laughs> <laughs> and then sometimes you just have to be like, yeah. I'm going to go ahead and say that it is. Um, but, you know, that's where I giggle and I, like, have a hard time looking directly at the screen and kind of because <laughs> it's somebody else's, like, very technical points mm-hmm. on this very raunchy moment. And I used to – well, every couple's been different. Like, Harper and Dan were just so, like, earnestly horny, right? Like, they were just mm-hmm. – like, it was very just, like – I don't know, just like a tenderness or almost innocence about it. And so for their sex scenes, I almost felt like a voyeur. I was like, oh, they would die if they knew that I was like peeking in on this, right? Oh, that's so sweet. (laughs) I know. And then Lizzie and Rake, obviously like Lizzie would love it. She would think that's hilarious. And, you know, so like each book it's felt different. But I, I, I think, I don't know if I just got it out of my system with A Brush With Love where I was like, okay, I'm, I'm done being like giggly or nervous about this. But yeah, I would say I just feel like very, like, it's like I, a lot of times I get to the point with writing a book where it feels like I'm just like plugging my brain into the keyboard. And so I'm like, it doesn't feel like an active process. It doesn't even feel like I'm, I'm really that involved, to be honest. It's more yeah. just like, I'm just like the fuel source for like the typing machine or something like that. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, I just feel like very invested (laughs) in the mechanics of it all. Um, But with, with each couple, they just make it pretty apparent on like how they best express themselves in like sexual situations and like their sexuality. And, and it can be, you know, it can take some time and some, awkwardness like figuring out a new person too um but like yeah when it came to when it came to Lizzie like it was very obvious that like she feels out of control of a lot of elements of her life but where she takes charge is her sexuality is having sex like she very much just has this I don't know get up and go vibe about her right like mm-hmm. um and that and that's how she initially is in those first couple hookups but then Rake challenges her in a sense so like he she's always kind of like the dominant one in their encounters but like slowly he starts to challenge her more he rake gets a little bratty no i oh my god should i write a spinoff where rake's a brat like yes (laughs) oh my god like a newsletter bonus scene oh my god i Okay, I love it. I know what I'm doing tonight. Um, <laughs> but but then with, you know, Jude, like, he is very, very controlled and, like, shut mm-hmm. off on all of his emotions and things like that. And then, you know, he just he just goes in. <laughs> like, But it, it, he feels, like, so in his connection with Indira, he feels so safe and secure to finally, like, let his guard down and express himself in that way with her. My and man, so- my man, my man. 
I know, I know. Like I can't. Yeah, I know. I love him. It made so it made a lot of sense to me, like that he would, you know, offer a lot of praise and like that he would, you know, be really into giving and like oral and stuff like that because like that's just. It, you know, he feels like Indira shows up for him in so many ways. And so it's almost like reciprocation. Yeah. <laughs> in a sense. Um, and then, uh-huh. yeah, but each, you know, each couple like really just unfolds kind of how, how they move through the world and with each other and, and, and all of that. And so um, it's fun to figure out too. And those are my favorite scenes to write. Like when I'm really, really stuck like with writer's block I'm like mm, okay let's get them kissing and so then I'll just yeah. like, you know <laughs> they should have sex yeah mm-hmm. yeah I'm like okay <laughs> probably banging um, <laughs> but you know I write out of order too so it's like I can just throw that wherever I need to later <laughs> oh that's um, so interesting oh yeah no I write out of order I don't really plot like yeah I just I I kind of yeah it's, it's all chaos all the time I feel like yeah. I remember you talking about that briefly. I, so I got to see you talk on the panel at the LA Times Festival of Books oh, this year. Goodness. Yeah, I feel like I remember somebody asking about plotting and you were just like, no, I don't do that. <laughs> yeah, it's like, couldn't be me. Wish it was, couldn't be me. <laughs> but you don't, you can't tell because everything comes together so seamlessly, especially okay. the plus one. Okay. Like another thing that we talk about a lot with that book is Jude's like emotional journey in that book, especially his journey with medicine. Mm-hmm. Like I thought that was so well done. And like the time that was spent with him, like discussing like the ethics of like being a doctor and like the mm-hmm. responsibility of it all. And like really grappling with that. Like it was just stunning. Like you wrote this man who was so hot and so yeah. horny. And then the next chapter we're like crying. I know. So like, and he is too. That, I know. Yeah, he's crying too. Yeah. He's such a Pisces. I was like, Oh my God. Yeah, yeah, he really is. I, he, with Jude again, I I swear I've I've read the plus one twice in the last month. Like I just like I can't stop thinking about Jude ever. But the fact that like it was so realistic too, how he like had everything so locked down, and then he cried once with Indira, and then he just like couldn't stop. Like that is yeah. so me. Like I <laughs> so like I yeah I don't know. It's also just really beautiful to see like male vulnerability like especially in romance books where Mm -hmm. like sometimes I love like an alpha hero like I love that and it has its Mm -hmm. place but like soft broken men love yeah yeah Yeah. I was just gonna say so I've uh read your books through audio that's how I've read them Uh I own the physical copies but I've I listened to them first and um in each book that I've read by you I have cried each time so like I felt for those people in such a strong way that I was crying and I don't it takes kind of a lot for me to cry in romance books like I maybe I can count like on my hand like how many times I've cried in romance Mm -hmm. books and these take up like two of the spots so it's yeah like the scene with rake and it was after she had her fight with her mom that scene with rake and in the bedroom oh don't give me started yeah yeah (laughs) that was i i was when i had read that scene kendra was the first of like our group to read that book and so i was texting her and i was like why am i crying emotional um, it was very emotional yeah so well I cry pretty much the entire time writing Uh, them uh, (laughs) a lot of times from frustration so (laughs) 
<laughs> full circle. It's, it, it, I love it. But sorry for making you cry also. Like, I don't mean to hurt your feelings. No, it's no. the best. It was beautiful. We kind of love like it, ha- yeah. It was like happy tears because it was so, go- like, a beautiful scene. Thank you. So, Thank yeah. you. Again, that's just, like, what I love about the genre is, like, if I know that they're going to be happy, uh-huh. they're going to find their way. I can do tears along the way. That's yeah. fine. Like, yeah, true. I know. I, I literally had this conversation today with my editor because I'm on deadline for a book with, with something. And, like, I I stress out with, like, angst. And, like, even though I know it's going to have a happy ending, I still, like, I still, like, get so stressed and stuff. And so I tend to – I feel like write lower angst books – and my editor was like, listen, you have to make the messy choice here. Like, you have to make the one that's going to oh, be really, really yeah. angsty. And I'm like, I'm scared. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be scared for so long. She's like, it's going to be worth it. There are times where I, like, close a book at the third act yeah. conflict because I'm like, I don't want to watch him fight. Mm-hmm. I can't do it. I love him too that's much. Not, that's not my business. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on the topic of, like, kind of low angst, Tilly <laughs> – um, I mean, it has its angsty moments for sure, mm-hmm. but Tilly and Technicolor, at the time of the podcast coming out, it will have been a freshborn baby into the world, two weeks old, but at the time of recording, we are pre-release date. So can you kind of elevator pitch Tilly for us? Like, what, how would you describe it to people? Yeah. So I would say Tilly's my kind of YA, NA love child, <laughs> um, <laughs> And so they're 18 year olds and Tilly just graduated high school. She's been white knuckling her way through it, um, struggling with poorly managed ADHD. She has no idea what she wants out of life. She just knows she doesn't want to go to college. And so her parents send her um, to be like a quote unquote intern for her perfect older sister's company for the summer in Europe and on a flight of just countless international disasters like it, I mean it really a lot of those are from my personal experience too that like it's hilarious yeah a lot of that like I have some of the worst travel luck and I think I just like dumped my trauma into those <laughs> chapters but, but her and her seatmate um who's named Oliver Clark they just like really go through the ringer of like the worst possible situations you can have on a plane um, and Oliver is similarly 18. He's from the UK. He's autistic and he knows exactly what he wants to, out of life, like, you know, down to the second and hit the, he really struggles with connecting and communicating with people um, because of, you know, social norms just don't really relate. He doesn't get them a lot of times because of his um, autism, but the way that he communicates and navigates through the world is through color and color theory and color psychology. And it, he has this really successful social media page with it. And that's like where he gets his like emotional fulfillment with other people. But he kind of has this feeling that he is not ever going to be able to like intimately be with somebody in a relationship sort of thing. And so these two leave this airplane hoping to never see each other again. Um, and lo and behold, they're both interns for the company and they have to spend the summer together um, traveling across Europe and butting heads and just like, it's a lot of like, oh, my chest hurts so bad. Like I must be having like a heart attack instead of like the obvious, like I'm very much in love with this other person. Um, so lots of feeling denial. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's just, it's kind of my love letter to neurodiverse brains and teenagers that you know, I, I didn't grow up with a lot of media that I felt like showed joy in the way that my brain worked and like 
you know, excitement about that. And so, yeah, I was just really, really excited to, to write a joyful story that has like stimming and hyper focus and info dumping on the page. And that's like, you know, celebrated and normalized and stuff like that. And so, yeah, I just had, I had so much fun with those two. They're, they're chaotic. <laughs> they're, they are. Gosh. They're so cool. Yeah. I, I've got lucky enough to get the arc for Tilly from NetGalley. So I, this book ripped me out of an eyeball reading slump. I was doing only um, audio reading for like almost all of the month of June. And then I got approved for the arc and I stayed up until 3am reading it. I woke up the next morning and I didn't even get out of bed. I grabbed my Kindle off my nightstand and finished it that morning. Like I read it in less than 24 hours. I loved it so much. Like I feel like they're my babies and I just like want to protect them from everything. Like I just want to wrap yeah. them up in a blanket and like, oh, I, yeah, sorry. I just they're so precious. Excited. They're yeah. so, pre- I, oh, they're just both so different, mm-hmm. but so lovable. And the way that you said, just like, there's just so much joy in this book. And there's just like, it's so, such a celebration of like the teenage experience too, yeah. but then also through like their unique lenses of like them as individuals. It's in first person. Yes. Yep. Yep. That was a big change for me. And, um, it looks like I'm writing in first person now. I don't even know. Uh, Late bloomer. Late bloomers in first person. Um, book I'm working on right now is in first person. So I had no idea that was such like a hot topic. Um, like reference for people and stuff. Um, and until being told specifically that I will not read your books because they're in third. And I'm like, oh, really? Like people are, I see it all the time. Like people will pick up a book and they're like, oh, it's third person. Like I'm not reading it. And that was something That's I didn't even, there me. were so many things that I didn't know until I joined like bookish communities. Yes. Like same yeah. with, same with surprise pregnancy. I thought mm-hmm. everyone was like down with it. And then I get on book talk and you see, I will never read this book because she a, gets pregnant. It's yeah. a trend. I'm like, oh, I'm grow like, up. Yeah. yeah. Literally <laughs> grow up. Literally grow up. Yeah. <laughs> um, we were just talking about like sex positivity and spiciness yeah. in adult books but like Tilly is also so sex positive as mm-hmm. a YA book and like I said I got to see you at the LA Times Festival of Books this year and you were on like this uh, the writing from YA to adult mm-hmm. panel and you guys did talk briefly about like writing sex scenes mm-hmm. at, in adult b- books versus like sex in YA and stuff. And at that point, I remember you talked about Tilly. Um, that was way back in May. Mm-hmm. But uh, that this book is so sex positive. Like there's no point where like Tilly or Oliver is like ashamed of their mm-hmm. sexual wants. Like what, how was it different writing it in a YA book versus adult yeah I I think the big thing is like um well first of all it was super super important because we we had some conversations because there's like um I I don't even know how I would describe like the love scene between Tilly and Oliver because it's not necessarily fade to black but it's very like fuzzy you know and there's not a lot of like that's a perfect way to describe it yeah yeah it's like a lot of feelings um less like body parts doing stuff and so yeah it was it was a very emotional I got actually I got dinged big time by a friend of mine who who read it and she was like bro you have them like just bare butt on the sand like you need to throw a blanket (laughs) and I was like oh my god I really do so I had to throw a blanket in there (laughs) if you um have sex on a beach and I was like okay but also you don't really realize how bad of an idea that is until you know you you really realize how bad of an Mm -hmm. idea I digress but anyway so 
it was really important to me because I think one of the the hardest things about um, ADHD and autism is the infantilization that that happens mm-hmm. to people that have it right. Where it's like um, you're too precious and you're too you know childlike, and we can't you you can't have um, wants or desires or want to have sex or like you need to be shielded from it completely. And I think that you know for so many people love and romantic love and sexual like relationships are a very huge component of what they want out of life um you know obviously there's like the the wide array of the asexual spectrum and stuff like that which you know is just as valid but like I didn't want to pigeonhole these two young adults for the lack of a better term into you know kind of falling into that trap where it's like um they're too naive or like you know they can't possibly process what it means to to have sex and stuff like that and so I I we were going back and forth on whether to keep that scene in and then it was kind of a very intentional decision like I think it needs to be on there and I think it needs to not be totally fade to black um because it's also super important to show like how enthusiastically they consent how they do it with like protection and stuff too and just like you know, like they have their ducks in a row and they're like, they're ready, they're ready to party. Um, (laughs) and like such like a beautiful, I Kendra and Kayla, I'm sorry. I'm trying not to say spoilers, but there's such like a beautiful progression of their relationship that feels so realistic for that age. Like Mm -hmm. they are 18 year olds. They're sharing a bed first for like a couple of weeks and they're like touching and they're Mm -hmm. like thinking about each other. And I don't Mm -hmm. know, it's just like, young love when it's yeah. done well is just so like oh heart bursty yeah. Yeah. and that is just so them and I yeah. yeah yeah and I think that's like you know you asked if it was if it was harder to write that and stuff and like for for Tilly and Oliver it wasn't I think one thing that feels pretty consistent with all of my characters is like the way that they fall in love feels almost first lovey right because it's so grand and it's so big and it's so profound for them like so even if it isn't necessarily their first love like it kind of has that like bubblegum pink sensation like yeah heart first of it all and so you know and then for Tilly and Oliver it really was their first love and you know first time and, and everything like that and so yeah that book didn't didn't feel that much harder to to navigate like the romance and stuff like that because um well, they were just ready to fall in love too, you know. Yeah, like they were. Uh, I love the like the family relationships that you explored in that book as well. Like Tilly and her sister, Tilly and her parents, Oliver yeah. and his moms, Oliver and his sister. Like it, I I love reading about family dynamics. I know like Kendra talks about that all the time. Like family dynamics are sometimes even more intriguing for me to read about than the actual romance. I yeah. it was both were so beautifully done in Tilly, but I just I love seeing them like gain their independence as young adults as well like yeah, yeah. I, I totally get what you say about this book towing the line of new adults mm-hmm. so it feels very yeah. mature thank you yeah I was I was trying to go for that like they're they're dumb and they're young but like you know mm-hmm. they're also <laughs> who is yeah. it you know like I'm 28 and I'm dumb and young <laughs> I can really be yeah same <laughs> I think also like young adult struggles a lot with sex sex positivity mm-hmm. like they're that's all all I read was young adult until probably I was like 21 mm-hmm. so like all of college and I would always seek out the books where I was like I want to see teens like actively talking about sex yeah. like not afraid of it either like 
And so it makes me really happy that like more and more authors are starting to explore teens like having sex because like I don't know I think it's important like I was a horny teenager like yeah. they exist like they know what a lot of people know what's happening yeah. like just show it I mean obviously yeah. there's a conversation versus like smut and sex scenes mm-hmm. and I think that is important but like mm-hmm. yeah just ha- like let them talk about it. I completely agree. I think that, you know, through YA books and stuff, it's a very safe place for people to learn and understand Mm -hmm. sex and, like, consent and, you know, emotional maturity to, like, enter that level of a relationship or, like, what it it can mean for you and and what it doesn't have to mean, right? Like, we place all this weight on sex, too, to be, like, this massive emotional thing. And it doesn't always have to be. Like, if if that's what you need for it, that's fine. But yeah, I think I think that including it in, in YA books really, again, creates a safe space for people to explore that and like what they might like out of out of life and like a sexual relationship and stuff. Um, so yeah, I, I'm all for it in YA, and you know, I, th- I there's it's a very nuanced conversation, and unfortunately, mm-hmm. I think nuance gets lost a lot, a lot. Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think I'm I'm really happy with like the direction that the the genre is heading and stuff too. Yay. Very excited! I'm gonna read it this month. Um, so next year you have a new book coming out, which we've been talking about this entire time, which is Late Bloomer. The thing that is probably makes me the most excited is that it's sapphic. Mm-hmm. I'm bisexual. Brandy's bisexual. Like we we love girls on this podcast. We love girls. I'm straight. What? <laughs> Uh, it's okay we still love you Um, i think women i think women are hot but i am straight sadly you're our ally clap valentine what can you tell us about late bloomer like what can we expect oh my god I just adore this book and like okay so I'm gonna have to like you guys are gonna have to let me know your thoughts on this because I've heard from a couple people like on my pub team that they think it's my steamiest yet and I don't think so I really don't think so like it's steamy for sure but like Lizzie's on his face 25 pages in you know like I don't I don't but okay but then again I've heard that the plus one's my steamiest okay yeah wait quick question sorry let me interview you really quick which is Lizzie or the plus one um I think they both do different things very well I Lizzie you can argue just because it starts earlier and sometimes people will count that as steamier just because Mm -hmm. like oh my gosh like right out the gate where plus one was more of a slow burn but Jude's dirty talking is very very hot and the 69ing I I think I I would say plus one I Mm -hmm. would agree I also think that sometimes the slow burn makes it even hotter Mm -hmm. I personally think the plus one Okay. Uh, but Lizzie gave Rake a blowjob in the shower. <laughs> kinda, huh? Yeah. You were like, yeah. Yeah, she did. She did. Do, did she? Yeah, because it, it wasn't seen, but you mentioned it. Like, oh, if a cock ended up in a. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ended up in my mouth. Like, what was she? Yeah, I'm like, oh, what is this? Oh, no. Maybe. I think it totally comes down to personal preference and enjoyment and yeah to me yeah that was yeah. the plus one so <laughs> maybe that says too much about me but <laughs> that is the i case. mean but if you're if they're saying late bloomer is the steamiest you know i'm, 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 seated. I'm okay you're, with that yeah, yeah. I, know, I know i just don't want to like inaccurately set up expectations because to me mm-hmm. i don't know i mean to me it's 
it's the same level as like the plus one in Lizzie, but okay. I, I'm curious how everybody's going to feel about that. But anyway, so um, yes, basically this book is my two by disasters. They are just like really, really messy. Um, the book starts off with Opal. She's working as an inflatable ice cream cone, like <laughs> really not a good time. Um, and she ends up winning the lottery a scratch off lottery ticket and it kind of ruins her life in a lot of ways um because she's like a people pleaser bent over backwards and so all these people are coming at her for her money and you know what it boils down to is she's like I need to get away I need to like you know escape and so what does any responsible 20 something year old artist do she buys property off of Facebook Marketplace. Of course. Of course. <laughs> of course. To go start a shoe painting business on Etsy and like frolic and flowers. Oh um, and so she shows up at the Thistle and Bloom flower farm and, you know, all her dreams are about to come true. But who does she meet? But grumpy Lumberjane Pepper, who is like, is autistic for one. And she's also like, um, what the fuck? Like this is definitely my flower farm. I own this. And so there's a con involved and the two have to work together to figure out who actually owns the flower farm. Um, and they're also staying in like a super cozy cabin and there's, should we huddle together for warmth? And yes. yes. <laughs> always. And you have to make it. That's how you're going to get the warmest. Of course. Um, yeah, there's Waffle House dates. There's just like a lot of, really silly fun stuff um as they deny their feelings and try to um oh also it, there's a let's get it out of our systems moment uh, too. Really fun. i know works every time, <laughs> works every time. <laughs> yeah um but yeah i had so much fun with that book and like it, it yeah it really was a joy to write and like it's so goofy it's probably it's probably the most like in line with what you think of as a, with, of a rom-com out of all of my books because it's just very hijinksy, very like silly, lots of banging, um, lots of fun. So <laughs> I love that. Not to like continue to blow smoke up your ass, but like I feel like I can tell when an author is funny and like I, I can tell that you're funny. So like saying that this one is like even goofier than the others. I'm so excited. Yeah. You know what? I tell my, I ask my fiance every day what it's like to be engaged to the funniest. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so lucky. No. So lucky. I, I'm like, yeah, I tell my my husband every single day. I'm like, can you imagine if you like actually married someone who wasn't like really weird? Like, what <laughs> I know, right? Like, like, oh yeah, yeah. He tries to say that I made him super weird. Which I think I did, but I knew it was hiding under there. Like, yeah, you know, like, like calls to like. Yeah, like calls to like for sure. Like, I, I like saw, you know, I could sense it. I was like, oh, you're a little freak, huh? <laughs> but you know what that's making me think of in the plus one? I think about this scene all the time. It's the opening with the peanut butter. Oh, <laughs> that was oh just my... never explained. Maisie, explain it. Like, <laughs> huh? okay, okay. I need to set the record straight. I need to like address. Was it a one time thing? Room. <laughs> no <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was their thing it was their no thing. no I oh god I don't know okay so to be <laughs> completely honest I was like so I had to rewrite this book pretty quick right um and <laughs> I 
and originally Indira wasn't dating Chris, like none of that happened. Um, she was had this like long distance relationship or like pen pal thing with Jude, and like that was the main focus, right? And so okay. I'm adding in Chris, this like shithead boyfriend where she feels just very like at what's her what's end and like there's no spark and everything, and she walks in, and I knew that she was gonna walk in on him cheating on her. And I wanted it to be, I don't know why, I just wanted there to be shock value to it, right? And then I was like, okay, well, what kind of, like, kink situation can I put in here that, like, wouldn't get me canceled on Twitter? (laughs) And, like, and I was like okay, let's, let's explore food plan. Like, but you know, that could still be kink shame, like peanut butter. Nobody's going to kink shame me mm-hmm. for like being like, what the fuck with all this. Yeah. And so I just threw it in there. And I, I think I had every intention of changing it to something more normal um, as I went along. But then I turned in the book. I kind of forgot about it, honestly. And my editor never said anything. Like it never came up until really close to release when everybody was like, what's going on like, this, yeah. I was like so like funny. I yeah, I totally forgot that there was just like this very bizarre subplot <laughs> I think it's I honestly like it makes it so much funnier that it was never explained like Chris could have been like oh yeah it was a one-time thing whatever like yeah. no he just said we were just really like peanut butter that is so the, na- so the narrator funny. nails that part so mm-hmm. like it's really hilarious like, like yeah. oh, like, oh. <laughs> I know that was from Amani Jade Powers for sec perspective i think right for mm-hmm. Indira, yeah 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 he was so good as indira so like I, yeah she killed it mm-hmm. i was like oh my god you are indira like it was, yeah like, it was amazing yeah because i because when i heard her audition um for for, for the audiobook and everything I, I was like i'd like knocked everything over i was like that's her that's the one right there <laughs> oh and, my god that's gotta be so fun yeah yeah oh it is it's do cool. you listen to your own books um, you know what? The times when I do start giggling is when I try to listen to the sex scene. Somebody like, else oh, doing it. Can't do it. Can't do it. <laughs> it's like too close. Yeah, we're big audiobook girlies here, so we love. I love. I love audiobooks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anytime that we see like a narrator on a book that's like upcoming by an author that we love, we're like. <laughs> yeah. Is the Tilly audiobook also releasing on the fifteenth? It is. It is. I have not heard that one yet. So yeah usually I listen to a couple chapters and then I'm like oh my god there's a billion things I would change in this stupid book and then I like get all (laughs) yeah and I'm like okay so that's not for me to listen to um Mm -hmm. but for a couple minutes there it feels like really amazing to hear it brought to life and stuff and then you start judging yourself really hard um but yes anyway the the Tilly audiobook is coming out I'm super excited I love um Oliver's cute little accent and I was like so precious he has a british accent and like that was really fun because i just kept like replaying the auditions for that one too i was like oh i love a man with an accent <laughs> yes <laughs> oh, amazing okay yeah so tilly and technicolor comes out mm-hmm. august 15th so at the time that this podcast is going live you guys can get it on paperback anywhere. audio anywhere. everywhere anywhere where you get your books mm. amazing yeah. and when does the light bloomer come out uh april <laughs> this is a quiz yeah. yeah april 14th wait hold on let me look that's at my dad's day. birthday did you do it for my very spring happy birthday to your dad it's actually yeah. april 16th 2024 oh, okay <laughs> yeah april 16th 2024 we will be, we will be seated literally yeah i will not shut up 
Like I, I'm so excited. I'm so, so excited. excited too. I hope you guys enjoy it. And my cheeks hurt from smiling so much. Come <laughs> on. No, this is so, so much, much being fun. here. Yes, y'all are so amazing. I like. I've loved chatting with you three. So you know, thank you for having me. This really made my day. Oh, <laughs> uh, yay! Awesome. Well, we'll catch you guys next time. Uh, bye. Bye, bye. bye guys. Bye.